Chapter 20 Jenner took a deep breath as he lay back watching the ceiling. He recounted the events in his head from three days ago. How did I not see that coming, he thought. After they had surrendered to Roland, they had been split up. He and Christian had been escorted to the castle prison. Erica and Mao were taken elsewhere. Their guards would say nothing. Christian was in a cell adjacent to his own. They were the prison's only occupants that Jenner could tell. He had tried to talk to Christian, but the boy had become withdrawn and despondent. He sat up on his pile of straw when he heard footsteps. His meal had been brought, so he did not think it was a guard. So, tell me, and be honest, I'm a big boy, I can take it. How much does this sight please you? Jenner said, watching Roland walk into view. It never pleases me to see good people fall, Roland replied. Roland, this is madness. You can't think we did this. You honestly think the boy over there killed that child? Shot her through the head in the face? Jenner argued. I am not sure, which is why I am arguing on your behalf, Roland replied. For freedom? Jenner asked, hesitant. Jenner, you have three deaths you are being accused of. Even if I believed you, there are witnesses. People saw us kill them, Jenner asked, skeptical. People place you at their locations. The Badin maid recognized Mao and Christian from being in their house the night before it burned down. They're under false pretense. You've been spotted at every location that's burned down in recent history. So what then, a quick death? Exile. Exile, the four of us? Jenner asked. You and the boy. What of Mao and Erica? Mao will likely be executed. She is a practitioner of the sciences, a penalty that carries death. And Erica? Well, she is young and female. The king feels she may have been falsely misled by you and your ilk, and the queen said she would care for her for the time being. Roland, you can't. Say no more, Jenner. I am trying to remember the man I once knew years ago. If you are innocent of these crimes... A man of your resources should not find exile so intolerable. And if you are guilty, exile is better than you deserve. Jenner watched as Roland left the room. He did not know what else to say. He could only sit and wait. Mal massaged her wrists through the shackles. The box she was in was sweltering, sweat dripping all over her body. She thought she had counted at least ten other occupants, but their voices overlapped some, and wherever they were, it was noisy outside. She rested her hands on the bars. Mao, Mao, that's you, isn't it? She heard the voice coming from below her, a familiar-sounding lyrical quality. Havilan, you're here too, 
How did they catch you? Mal asked, feeling disorientated. Mal, no. Haven't you asked anyone where you are? And what happened to your fancy accent? Haviland said. No time to worry about that now. What's happened? I haven't really been brought up to speed. Just shuffled around and kept in cages. They made an announcement at the square in Uptown yesterday. Skeltius said that four criminals had been apprehended. The cause of the fire and something to do with all the child kidnappings. Then where are we now? Mal asked. You were on the back of some caged wagon set to head out to Bothwell, to the south. Driver said he was bound for Milan, but I couldn't get anything else out of him. They've been moving me about for two or three times a day for the last four days. I wasn't sure if I was still in the city. Is Umbrunsway with you? Always, Haviland replied. Mao slid her hands down to feel the big, meaty paws of Umbrunsway wrapped around the bars. Hey, you want us to bust you out of here? I don't think these bars are going to give Umbrunsway a problem. Umbrunsway smiled and gave the bars a little rattle. No, not here. Getting out of the city is probably best at this point. Do you know what's happened to the others? No, they haven't said anything. Didn't even know you were here till Umbrunsway caught sight of you, Haviland said, putting an arm around Umbrunsway's shoulders. Can you get out of here on your own? Doubtful. They confiscated all of my chemicals and supplies. I wish I did know more Majorie at this point. Hey, you, get away from that cart, a guard yelled, coming around the back of the wagon. That's our call, Haviland said. Don't worry, Mal. We'll get you out of there somehow. Haviland turned and beat feet, Umbrunsway lumbering off behind him. They were lost in the crowd by the time the guard made his way to the back of the wagon. Hands off the bar, the guard yelled, swinging his club at Mal's hands. She was faster, her hands slipping away moments before the club rattled the cage. That's more like it. The guard turned and walked back to the driver's seat, waiting for the order to head to the south. Mal turned to the person closest to her, a younger woman from what she could gather. And what finds you here, child? Mal asked, turning on the voice she used when conversing with Erica, that of a caring elder. If she was going to be spending some time with these people, she wanted them on her side, if the time called for it. Keep your wits about you, Chris. You have to be ready at a moment's notice, Jenner said to Christian as the boy walked in front of them. They had their hands tied behind their backs, and they were being escorted by a few guards. They had learned that their sentence had been reduced, and that they would be exiled instead of sentenced to death. But Jenner did not trust the king. Exile seemed like a good place for accidents to happen. He could not think of a single person he had ever heard of, known or legend, that had been exiled. And Jenner very much wanted to be heard from again. Though he was beginning to think he might have to escape on his own and find Christian later, the fight had left the boy. 
They stepped out of the dungeon into daylight, the noonday sun just beginning to crest the sky. Outside, a small covered carriage was waiting for them. The shutters on the doors were welded shut, and padlocks were on the handles. Near it stood King Geddon, the Queen, a dozen guards, and... Erica, Christian said, speaking for the first time in days, taking a step toward her. A guard near him slammed the pommel of his sword down on the back of Christian's head, causing him to crumple to the ground. Christian, Erica screamed, but Geddon tightened his grip on the girl's shoulder. She winced. You should know that your friend, Roland, spoke highly of you. It is with a clear conscience that I send you to exile, so that you may mull over the deeds you have committed. May a higher power than I judge you as it sees fit, Geddon said, smiling as he addressed the two men. I'm honored to have such a sending-off party, Jenner said. He looked to either side, as much to give homage to his attendants as to get an idea of where they were. The stone cobbles extended for maybe 200 feet before they seemed to end with a steep decline which he could not see down. A series of columns ran the length of what he thought to be a large channel they were standing in. He saw mountains, but not the city, so he assumed they were somewhere behind it, one of the less-traveled paths into the mountains. Two guards pulled Christian up to his feet. He twisted, taking them by surprise, sliding loose before running towards Erica. One of the guards near Geddon, holding a pike, stepped forward and swung the butt end of the polearm at Christian, catching him in the face with the wooden shaft. A thin stream of blood flew through the air as Christian was knocked off his feet, landing headfirst on the stone floor. His head hit with a thud, a tooth knocking free from his mouth and bouncing along the cobbles. The guard then lifted the weapon and proceeded to slam the end down on Christian, hammering his face and stomach. Stop! Please stop! Erica cried, fighting Geddon's grip, who was now holding her with both hands. The guard continued administering his beating. Lord, you'll kill the boy, Jenner said. I think he needs to learn his place, Geddon said, watching Christian writhe and kick. The guard looked to Geddon, who nodded for him to continue. The guard began kicking Christian in the stomach. Christian tried to roll away, but the man slammed his foot down, stomping Christian in the face and throat. Stop it! Stop! Erica cried, pulling against Geddon's grasp. He's still fighting back. He's fine, Geddon said, watching the spectacle with a slight grin on his face. Through all of it, the queen watched on, glass-eyed, staring into the distance. The guards seemed to be angered by Christian's will to fight, only increasing the effort the guard put into beating him. Christian stopped moving before the guard noticed. Stop it! Erica's scream was followed by a blood-curdling moan that became an inhuman howl. The guard who had been beating Christian senseless looked like he had just been turned inside out. 
Arms and legs jointed his frame at odd angles, and pieces of his armor jutted into his body, disappearing into his pelvis. He collapsed, the weight of his body now distributed in such a way that made standing impossible. The thing cawed and screeched, its teeth sticking through its lips as it wailed, blood pooling around it. All the men stepped back, even Geddon, who had appeared to be enjoying himself a moment ago. His grip on Erica loosened, and she slid to the floor, staring in wide-eyed shock at the mutilated guard, while the queen shifted her eyes to the malformed creature, her gaze flat. Jenna recovered first. He reached back with his bound hands and grabbed the sword off the belt of the guard closest to him, then pushed off, drawing the sword and breaking into a run down the pathway, pacing the cliffside. He was a dozen feet away before the guards realized what happened. Stop him, Geddon commanded, and put that thing out of its misery. And as for you, Geddon said as he reached down and grabbed Erica by her shirt. He swung his right hand and backhanded Erica across the face. Her body jolted as her head smacked into the ground and she lay still, unconscious. Clean up this mess and put that brat back in her room, Geddon said, taking the queen's hand and pulling her along. And make sure these two don't set foot in my castle again. As Jenner ran, he jumped and brought his feet up, swinging his arms underneath and bringing them in front of him. Then he flipped the sword over in his hands and cut through the bonds. He ran toward the ledge, but it was a steep decline, ending in a river a hundred feet down. So instead, he steered back toward the path, running as fast as he could, hoping his armored pursuers would tire first. He heard the sounds of their voices getting farther and farther away. When up ahead, he saw a group of horses coming into view. Ugh, this just isn't my day, he said to himself seeing Roland in some of his knights. This is unbecoming, Jenner, Roland said, sliding off his horse and moving to bar Jenner's way. Jenner swung wide of Roland, hoping to dart past, but Roland shifted, drawing his great sword and swinging low to the ground in an upward motion, making it impossible for Jenner to slide or jump past. Instead, he pulled up short and tried to cut inside Roland's reach but Roland backpedaled, giving way. Bringing his sword in front of him to parry Jenner's thrust with his sword. I do not wish to see you dead, Jenner, Roland said as he kept his sword between himself and Jenner. Then simply let me pass, Jenner said, pushing his advantage, trying to keep the momentum. Roland did not reply, but stopped, pressing forward with his sword. He deflected the swing, throwing Jenner off balance by slamming the flat of the blade into him. He then switched his grip and swung wide in a sweeping motion. Jenner brought his blade up to block, but Roland's sword swung straight through, taking off the tip of Jenner's weapon. Jenner blinked, watching the two inches of the blade fall to the ground. Jenner glanced over his shoulder, but saw the guards had formed a wall, blocking his escape. A duel, then, Jenner said, 
turning back to face Roland. Jenner, you can't be serious. In response, Jenner came forward, double-handing his blade, hacking at Roland. Roland brought his sword about, deflecting each attack away with a flick of his wrist. He then spun the blade low, causing Jenner to jump and hop over it. Roland was not finished, however, coming around in a spin, bringing the blade up high. Jenner ducked backward. Roland brought the blade down lower, until Jenner lost his footing and slipped to his knees in an effort to get out from under the swing. Roland shifted and began windmealing his blade. Jenner rolled, getting out of the way as sparks flew and flecks of stone spun into the air where the blade bit into the cobblestone path. Jenner rolled back, using his hands to flip and propel himself into a standing position. Roland was there waiting for him, coming in. Jenner faked to the left, then ran towards the ledge. He ran straight toward one of the columns. Roland gave chase behind. When the column was right in front of him, Jenner ran up the first few feet of the wall, then pushed off, propelling himself up. Roland swung wide, his blade grazing Jenner as he sailed upwards. Roland's sword cleft through the pillar, toppling it from below where he had cut the top half hanging. Jenner thrust his blade at Roland's face, who was saved by the inches he had sheared off of it. When Jenner landed behind Roland, a thin trickle of blood was running down Roland's face, from eyebrow to cheek. I still offer you the chance to surrender, and come along peacefully, Roland said, wiping the trickle of blood from his face. End it? Why, I drew first blood. I say I have the upper hand. Jenner smirked and came on, lifting his hands to come down in an overhand swing. Roland smirked as well, but darted forward and low, bringing his blade up under Jenner's arms. Jenner attempted to slow his momentum, but it was too late. He had not expected Roland to close with such a blade. Roland ducked down, then drove his body up, ramming his shoulder into Jenner's arm and sword, driving them high into the air. Then he ducked down again and stepped back, swinging his arms upward, bringing his blade high up and back in the process. The end of Roland's sword swung between Jenner's open arms, cleaving through the hilt in the space between Jenner's hands. The force of the blow threw Jenner's hands apart. The blade pinioned off to clatter against the wall behind him. Jenner looked at his left hand, still holding the bottom half of the hilt. It's over, Jenner. Give up, Roland commanded, lowering his own blade letting the tip rest on the ground. It appears you have me, Jenner said, dropping his hands to his side, letting the hilt slip from his grasp. He took two steps towards Roland, but then went into a run, cutting left of Roland and making for the ledge. He ran as fast as he could, fleeing to the last step of the path before hurtling himself into the air. He figured he had a better chance surviving the fall, he kicked his arms and legs as he saw the path disappear, the river rushing far below. It took him a second to realize something was wrong. While he figured it would be, would be dramatic, he noticed he was not falling, only floating in the air. 
Did you forget? Roland's voice sounded from behind him. Jenner felt his body being rotated until he faced back to the ledge he had just hurled himself from. Roland had one arm outstretched, palm down, fingers apart, pointing at Jenner. He could hear the chuckles and laughs from the guards who were securing the pathway. Why? Jenner asked. I wanted to give you a chance to surrender, Roland said. Jenner felt his body start propelling itself back to the ledge, faster than he had thrown himself off of it. Roland used his other hand to pick up his sword and heft it backward. As his velocity increased, Jenner made to put his hands up in front of his body, but some unseen force was prohibiting the movement. Jenner closed his eyes as he saw the flat of Roland's blade coming right at his face. Jenner's body flew across the cobblestones as Roland slammed the flat of his blade into Jenner's face. He went limp. Roland sheathed his sword and walked over and picked up Jenner's limp form, tossing him over his shoulder and began carrying him back to the carriage. Erica sat on the bed in one of the bedrooms in Castle Balthon. She wore a dress a servant had laid out for her. When she fought, the maid told her she would be walking around in that dress or nothing at all. Her choice. She had not seen Christian or Jenner since yesterday when they were being carted away. When she came to after being hit, she found herself in the room she was in now. Her room had no windows, and the door was locked from the outside. She felt her belly rumbling, but could not bring herself to eat. Her thoughts kept turning back to what she had done to that man. She just had wanted him to stop. She gagged, leaning over the bed, but nothing came up but dry heaves. As she coughed, she clenched her jaw where Jedden had smacked her. She could feel the bruise, but had no mirror to check it. Erica? The voice was familiar. It was a woman's but not one she remembered hearing. It was coming from the other side of the door. Erica slid off the bed and walked over. Yes, she answered. The panel in the door slid open, and Erica saw the face of the queen on the other side. She looked past her, seeing a stone hallway and part of a spiral staircase. I just wanted to welcome you to your new home, Erica the queen said in a flat, monotone voice. What? Erica said. She could not believe her ears. What was going on? Your new home. I'm Arleska. I'm going to be your mother. And Geddon is going to be your father. Isn't that nice? Erica started to cry, staring at the woman looking back at her on the other side of the door. Don't cry, dear. It's really for the best. No, I don't want to stay here. I want to go back with Christian and my friends. Please be quiet, Erica. Don't cry. I wouldn't want you to torture me to death like you did that innocent man the other day. It, it, it was an accident. I didn't mean to. He was hurting Chris. Erica mumbled through her tears. But you did kill him. You squished him like a bug watching him twitch and bleed. 
No, I didn't mean to. But you did? No. It's all right. We forgive you, Erica. If you promise not to torture anyone ever again, I'm sure you'll enjoy living here. I could use a new friend to talk to since your friend Christian killed Mina, the queen said, her voice never shifting. You're making it all up. Christian would never have hurt Mina, Erica said, her strength giving out. She crumbled down to the floor and turned her back to the door, leaning back against it. Just let me talk to him. Let me see Chris and I'll promise I'll behave. I can't do that. I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. Erica's voice trembled. She wiped her sleeve across her nose, then wiped her eyes with her hands, dampening them with her tears. Erica, I can't. They're dead. They're all dead. No! Erica yelled, burying her face in her hands. You're lying! They're alive! I saw them! And Geddon had them killed for trying to escape. The Lenise woman, too. Killed for crimes against the country. You should have heard how the people cheered when it was announced. Stop it! Erica screamed, bursting into tears. She wrapped her arms around her knees and buried her face against them and cried. Erica, don't make a mess. Please stop it. The queen's voice said after a moment. Erica blinked her eyes, sniffling, looking up. The rug in front of her had come undone, fur shred and flaking. The wood panels underneath were cracked and splintered, sawdust revealing stone mortar below. That's a good girl. Now just behave, and I'll have one of the maids bring you some cake. Would you like some? No, I'm not hungry, she said, her voice weak. Come on, everybody loves cake. I'll have the maid bring you some cake. I don't want any cake. Erica tried to scream, but her voice cracked, dry from yelling, and sore from coughing and crying. I do hope you feel better, the queen said. We're the only people left that love you, and I'm really hoping you can grow to love us. The panel on the door slid shut, and Geddon stepped from around the corner of the hallway. He walked up to Arleska and extended his will to prod her to turn and walk with him. Once they were down the steps, he thanked her for her cooperation, which she accepted with a bow after he commanded her to. You should get rid of the girl. She's trouble, the voice said. Nonsense. She's adorable, and I think Arleska is quite taken with her, Geddon thought as the two of them walked back to her room. She doesn't think, you fool. She'd think taking a step off the parapets would be nice if you told her to, the voice said with increasing ire. Quiet yourself, Geddon said, the anger in his head spilling over into his speech. A maid in the hallway apologized for whatever transgression she thought she said, but Geddon sneered, waving her away. You're right, master. I am sorry, the voice cooed a few minutes later. That's better, Geddon thought. 
It's just I am so enthralled over your plans of conquest that these little distractions distress me. It purred. Patience. Patience. War has not come to Grey in many years. It will take some prodding to push that many points I have come to realize on why we should invade Arcturus. The nation is big. I do not think they will fight too hard if we were to ask for some of their lands. Geddon thought. Ever wise you are, the voice acquiesced. It wanted to laugh. It had been planting seeds of war in Geddon's mind for years. So subtle, so harmless. It had waited centuries. It could wait longer. It would return home. <clears throat> Jenner blinked his eyes. He looked around, first feeling the pain creep into his senses. He lifted his hand to his jaw, feeling a large welt. He caught sight of beams of sunlight filling the cramped space. His knees were bent and he felt the ground shaking. He put his hands to the floor and pushed himself up. Christian, Jenner said, prodding the form laying on the seat above him. He was curled facing the wall, and he had bandages covering his head and hands. Ugh, I can see why they knocked me out. I never would have tolerated such shoddy traveling conditions, Jenner said to no one in particular, taking a seat opposite Christian in the carriage. You're not going to sleep all day, are you? Jenner said, directing his voice Christian's way. Jenner, stop. Christian murmured, rolling over onto his back. Stop what, my boy? Just... Stop! Stop acting like we are fine! How can you be like this? Christian groaned, his hands clinging to his chest. It is over. They are probably going to kill us whenever they get us to where we're going. Well, then we don't have much time, do we? And anyway, I don't think they're going to kill us. They've had ample opportunity since they captured us in Balthon Castle. Then what? Where are they taking us. Can they not just kill us and get it over with? Jenner leaned over and gave Christian a punch to the ribs, which caused him to double up and roll to his side. Christian, what happened to you? Did they beat your backbone out as well? What happened? You saw what happened, Christian said, trying to rise, but only making it to a sitting position, pulling himself up. How can you act like nothing has happened? All that's happened is that we now know who was after Erica, and who most likely has her sister, and where we need to get to. Jenner, we don't even know where we are. But we will. We have to end up somewhere. And wherever that is, we just have to get back to Bothwell from it. Christian opened his mouth, but stopped clutching his ribs instead. He looked at Jenner, wiping a line of blood off his forehead from a wound that had come open from moving around. How can you think we can get back from this? They've broken us. They've thrown us out like garbage. Because I have faith. Faith in what? Doesn't matter. Faith in luck. Faith in myself. Faith in you.
Faith in me? Jenner, I don't even have faith in me. I promised Erica I would protect her, and look. Not only did I fail, but I delivered her into the arms of the very person who was looking for her in the first place. And you want to resign her to that fate? Jenner asked. Of course not, but what would you have me do? Well, first, stop talking like it's the end of the world. Start dwelling on what we can do. Have some faith in yourself. Christian sighed, sitting up, letting his head hang in the air. What if I cannot? Then have faith in me. Have faith in the fact that I have faith in you. It's not over, Christian. As long as we're not dead, it's not over. Christian chuckled, despite the pain it sent through his body. Did you learn all that in the theater? He asked. No, I learned it from Roland. Back when I was still a knight errant under his command. He taught me that faith isn't about religion. It's about believing in something that allows you to keep going. Can you believe in something to keep going? Jenner asked, letting his hand drift to Christian's shoulder. I want to see Erica again, Christian said. That'll do, Christian. I believe that'll do. Ugh, I can't believe you're thinking that. That's crazy. You know that? Completely crazy. What? Don't say that. Of course not. I'm not saying it's impossible, but the odds are assuredly stacked against us. We'll at least need help. I should get Sheldon the shift from Arthens Hill. No? What about Murrin the Rope? I heard he got out of King's Prison recently. Jabber? Didn't he die of diphtheria a few seasons back? I'm pretty sure he did. I'm not making excuses. Okay, fine. Just the two of us. How do you want to do this? You're out of your mind. I'm not going into the castle. You do that part. I don't care if you're worried about Mal. Think about it. You honestly think I can break Erica out of the castle? Look at me. I'm skinny, I'm weak, and you know I have that glass jaw. Where in our relationship together did I give you the impression I'd be remotely capable of fending off an army of castle guards with a little girl under one arm? Finally. First reasonable thing I've heard all night. Honestly. You rescuing Mal? You two going to find a deaf partner while you're at it? You're right, you're right, I apologize. That was a bit of a low blow, even for me. I'm just worried. You know I'm the emotional man in this group. So, we're agreed. I'll follow Mal's wagon south and break her out when they make a stop at some backwater village. You sneak into the castle and get Erica. Then we'll go off and find Christian and Jenner and things will be back to being smooth. Of course they're not dead. Whatever gave you that idea? And they also said Erica and Mal were dead too. And we know that ain't true. I swear, you'll believe anything you're told sometimes. You need to ask more questions. Right, right, I know. All right. Well, I don't know how fast that wagon's moving south. Why don't we meet up at Culment? But why not? It's perfect, and we can find Jenner's place and maybe plan something out. Like a hideout. Oh, 
I hadn't thought of that. Just because we know he's alive, others might not believe us. Where were you thinking, then? That abandoned temple outside Neary's Grove? Why there? Okay, fair. I've never seen a watch patrol or a king's retinue within miles of there, either. All right, so we're settled, then. Excellent, Haviland said, then turned away from the table for a moment. Hey, Cassie, bring over another round for me and my friend. So, uh, another beer and a water, the barmaid yelled. You know it, love, Haviland yelled. Umbrunswick smiled and nodded. Hello, and thank you for listening to the World of Grey podcast. For any questions about the podcast or the books in general, email me at podcast at josephporthos.com. My two books, Fallen Throne and Dark Halo, are available for download on the Amazon Kindle store for the low price of $3 apiece. I don't output a ton of updates, but when I do release one, you can find it on Facebook at Joseph Porthos or on my website located at josephporthos.com. I hope you enjoyed today's chapter, and I look forward to you tuning in again next time. This is Joseph Porthos, signing off.